Bible open, uh, Proverbs chapter 8. We're in uh, the whole chapter this morning, so it's going to be helpful for you to keep that open um, in front of you as we work our way through it. Let me just pray for us um, as we come before God's Word. Father, we thank you uh, that you speak to us, that we can hear your voice in your Word. Father, we pray that you would help us to come before your Word now with humble and contrite hearts that we would be receptive to what you would say and that you would give us the strength and the grace that we need to, to live out in the days to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do you find yourself at crossroads? Do you find yourself at a crossroads? Um, one of the things, I was just chatting to someone about it beforehand, one of the things that has been a real joy this year is um, uh, along with Luke and, and others is, is uh, participating in and running scripture union groups in Kincaid and now also uh, in Belmont and in a couple of weeks time it's the end of term um, and we'll say goodbye to some of those P7s um, and they in many ways in this big transition in their life, the, the transition from primary to secondary and secondary to college or uni and then on to the workplace, uh, these big transitions in life in many ways they're like a crossroads. They're going to hear a bunch of new voices, they're going to hear a bunch of new competing voices and the question will be who will they listen to what will they listen to in order to live well and live wisely in these crossroads of life do you find yourself at a crossroads this morning proverbs teaches us that at these crossroads in life there will be two voices there will be two voices and in proverbs they are represented or personified as two women in proverbs Five to seven, we've been hearing uh, the voice of the adulterous woman. She represents temptation. She represents the way of folly. But, and good news, but is that she is not the only voice. There's also the voice of woman wisdom, of lady wisdom. We met her back in chapter one briefly. We just encountered her. This morning, we get to see her in all of her righteousness, in all of her power, and in all of her beauty. We get to hear this morning, after five to seven, we get to hear the voice of a better woman, of a better choice, of a better voice. And in fact, as I was uh, working through, uh, as we transitioned those kids from P7 upwards, we bought a little book for them to help them transition. And that book was evidently full of verses from Proverbs. We need the voice of wisdom when it comes to crossroads in life. And those crossroads are not just big things in life. There are everyday small things as well. We come at crossroads every morning as we wake up for work. We can choose to work half-heartedly for ourselves or we can choose to work wholeheartedly for the Lord. We face a crossroads when it comes to our money. When our monthly paycheck comes in or however you get that, we have a crossroads there. We have a choice to make. Will we listen to the voice of folly and our own voice and spend our money unwisely or will we listen to the voice of wisdom and use money the way God would have us use it? We, have, we face a crossroads with our speech. When we are in a conversation with someone, how are we going to respond to them? We will respond according to wisdom or according to, according to folly. And then we've seen, as particularly with this past few chapters, chapters 5 to 7, we have a crossroads when it comes to marriage and relationships. Will we pursue biblical wisdom and biblical ethics when it comes to those things, or will we choose sexual immorality and adultery? We find ourselves at a crossroads. And at each of these crossroads, Ultimately, there is only one voice to listen to. There's only one voice 
to listen to. Only the voice of wisdom will lead to life and joy and happiness. And listening to her is not just the right thing to do because it's the right thing to do to listen to her voice only. It is the best thing to do. It leads to joy and it leads to eternal life. So my invitation for you this morning is to come and see the beauty of this woman. To come and see her beauty, her attractiveness, her benefits. To come and see what she has to offer. To see that she is incomparable to anything, any other voice you would hear in this world or in your life. That's a big response that we're called to have to this passage this morning. Listen to the voice of wisdom and live. It's as simple as that. Listen to the voice of wisdom and live. So why should we listen to her? First thing, she wants to help us. Why should I listen to the voice of wisdom? She wants to help us. How do we know she wants to help us? Firstly, because she's loud. She wants to be heard. She raises her voice in verse 1. She cries aloud in verse 3. She wants you to hear her. And she needs to be loud because as we look back at last week in chapter 7, verse 11, there's another loud woman. The voice of folly, the, the, the voice of temptation is also a loud voice. She is loud because she wants to be heard. She is loud because she needs to be heard. Her cry here is a passionate cry. She wants us to listen to her. She's loud and she's everywhere. You see that in those first three, four verses. She's everywhere. She, she's at the heights beside the way, at the crossroads. She's at the gates in front of the town. She's at the entrance of the portals. She's everywhere. She cares and has something to say into every area of our lives. She has something to say into our town. She's at the front of the town. She's something to say into our, our nation and, and our world. The commentator, Derek Kidner, who quoted a number of times throughout this series, he says this, a chapter which is to soar beyond time and space, which we'll see later on in verses 22 onwards, a chapter which is to soar beyond time and space opens at street level, in the town. To make it clear first that the wisdom of God is as relevant to the shopping center as it is to heaven itself. She has something to say about every area of life. She's loud, she's everywhere, and because she's everywhere, she's, that shows us that she's needed in every area of life, because every area of life is a battleground. Again, the, the adulterous woman back in chapter 7, verse 12, she's in the street, she's in the market, she's at every corner, and what's she doing there? She's not doing anything nice, she's lying in wait. Waiting to pounce. She's trying to trap. That woman wisdom is everywhere. Everywhere means that she's also available everywhere. She's needed everywhere. She's available everywhere. That's the good side of that. The bad side of that is that if we choose to be foolish in an area of life, we're without excuse. Because she speaks into every area of life. We also see in verses 4 to 5 that she's for everyone. She's for everyone. To you, O man, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. The word for man there is Adam, Adam. Everyone who's descended from Adam and Eve. She speaks for everyone. She wants everyone to hear her, Christian or not. Everyone made in the image of God needs to hear woman wisdom and listen to her voice. And verse 5 tells us she's wiser than everyone. Okay? It's kind of in her name. Woman wisdom. Hey, she's wiser than us. That's why we need to listen to her. 
We need her wisdom. And no one's made it. No one is yet the wisest person. Oh, simple ones, learn prudence. Oh, fools, learn sense. She particularly here speaks to those who have chosen to neglect her or reject her. To those who have messed up or feel like they're way behind where they could be. She's saying here, it's not too late. It's not too late to learn. It's not too late to gain wisdom, to get some good judgment, to, to get some common sense. That's what verse 5 is talking about. What we're reminded here of is that wisdom, gaining wisdom, is not ultimately an academic exercise. It's saying to the Lord, I need this. It's humbling our hearts before him and saying, I need your wisdom. I'm willing to learn. Please give me wisdom. Woman wisdom here is, is not like some of the teachers you might have come across in school or college or uni or whatever it be. Teachers who didn't really care about your development, didn't really have much time for you, who weren't passionate about seeing you grow in your knowledge and in your wisdom. She's not like that. She wants us to learn. She's passionate about us gaining wisdom. She wants us to see, she wants to see us become wise. She's crying out for us to listen to her. She does not stand at the crossroads of your act out of compulsion. She stands there because she cares, because she wants you to know wisdom. So the invitation is to listen to her. She wants to help us. That's the first reason we should listen to her. The second is because she speaks truth to me. You look down at verses six to nine. Here, for I will speak noble things. From my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. So she speaks noble things, rightness, truth, righteousness. She, what she says is straight, what she says is right. She speaks truth. Again, we compare that to the adulterous one whose words are smooth and deceptive and foolish. Her words can be summarized here in verses 7 and 8. The adulterous woman, the, the voice of folly is wicked and an abomination. It's twisted and crooked. She can be trusted. We can listen to her. We can give her a, a hearing, but we cannot trust a word that comes out of our mouth. The opposite, the complete opposite is true of woman wisdom. We can trust what she says. She will not lie to us. She will not deceive us. She is not wicked. We don't need to doubt what comes out of her mouth. We don't need to be skeptical about it. That's why we can listen to her. Um, I don't know about you, but quite often I get um, scam phone calls on my phone. You, know, you get an unknown number or you get a number that you don't recognize and uh, every time you answer that number you, you're kind of skeptical you're can i trust this person what are they trying to do here what are they trying to get out of me here this is a voice we don't need to be skeptical about. this is a voice that we can trust this is a voice that will give us truth and in a world where it can often feel like it's hard to come by truth sometimes where wickedness and crookedness and twistedness seem to prevail, where people around us sometimes seek to deceive us, or where even our own hearts sometimes will try to speak lies to us about God and about who we are in Christ. This is someone we can go to. This is someone we can trust. This is someone who is not out to deceive us. She is wisdom. 
and nothing can compare to her. That's what verses 10 to 11 tell us. Her wisdom is priceless. It's worth more than even choice gold, not just gold, the choicest of gold. It's worth more than that. Nothing we desire can compare with her. Is there anything more valuable than truth? That's what this is saying. There's nothing more valuable than the truth that this woman offers us. And our hearts and our lives, when we stand at these various crossroads in life, when we stand at these daily crossroads in life, we often compare the two paths that we have before us, the two choices or the, the two decisions. We, we weigh them up in our hearts. Well, I know that's wrong, but it'll feel good. And I know that's right, but it's too hard. Verse 11 tells us the weighing up's already been done. There's no comparison. The way of wisdom, listening to the voice of wisdom, is worth more than choice gold. You don't need to weigh them up. Follow the voice of wisdom. Listen to her, learn from her, trust her. All that you desire cannot compare to her. All the things that your heart sometimes thinks that you want or that you need or that you would like or that the world would tell you you would need do not compare to what she says and what she gives us. So take her instruction, treasure her instruction, verses 10 to 11. She speaks truth. Can we trust it? And God's appointed means to give us this wisdom is through His Word as we read it personally, but not just personally, corporately. Ephesians 4 tells us that we are to speak the truth in love to one another. That's how God's wisdom and His truth gets into our hearts through His Word, by His Spirit, but also through one another. We are to speak the truth in love to one another. We must give God's wisdom to one another, not our opinion or our thoughts, but scripture, wisdom, we're to present them with this woman. We're to feed that into one another's soul. So be that person. Be the person who speaks this wisdom into each other's lives. Listen to the person who does that to you. Don't ignore them. If they are speaking God's truth in love, then we need to listen to them, even if sometimes what they have to say is hard. Why should we listen to her? She wants to help us. She speaks truth to us. And thirdly, she distinguishes good and evil for us as well. Verses 12 to 16, the rain read. Um, let me just um, read those again. I wisdom well and prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is a hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance of, uh, pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles all who govern justly. Wisdom offers us something, whether we think it or not, that we desperately need the ability to discern and distinguish between good and evil. Without wisdom, without listening to woman wisdom, we are not as good as we think we are at distinguishing between good and evil. Think back to the, the Garden of Eden. We're still like our first parents. We try to do that without God. We try to distinguish good and evil without him. He took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They tried to distinguish good and evil instead of fearing the Lord and trusting him. And the end result was horrible. It was disastrous. 
The same thing that we do. We try to distinguish good and evil by our own desires, or our own thoughts, or by the world, instead of going to wisdom, going to the Lord, and we can too easily start to call good things evil, and evil things good. Isaiah 5 says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. You might be thinking to yourself, maybe, particularly if you're a Christian here, it's really not that hard to distinguish between those things. Really? Well, some of us may have had close friends or family who are Christian, but who begin to abandon their faith, who begin to abandon biblical ethics. Our town and nation around us can so easily change its mind on what is good and what is evil. Churches around us, us included, are susceptible to the same. We begin to call what is good evil and what is evil good. Consider how easy it is for us to follow the crowd. The pressure that puts us in that position, the desire to fit in, the temptation of what they offer, we can subtly start to think or call good things evil and evil things good. We are not as discerning as we think we are. But if we get wisdom, if we treasure wisdom, we will hate what wisdom hates. Verse 13. And what does wisdom hate? Pride and arrogance, a way of evil and perverted speech. Notice what comes first there with what wisdom hates? Pride and arrogance, the complete opposite of fear of the Lord. The complete opposite of fear of the Lord. It tells us that when we start to call good things evil and evil things good, it begins with the rejection of the authority of God. It begins with our pridefulness, not humility. It begins with the rejection of his good authority and his word, of not wanting to live by Jesus' authoritative words and his good demand of us. The rejection of the godly authority placed over us in the church and in the home. Once again, verse 13 highlights to us this whole wisdom thing is ultimately a heart thing. A heart that fears the Lord will align itself with what the Lord hates and what the Lord loves, with what is good and with what is evil. We need hearts that align with the Lord, that align with what he loves and with what he hates, and that will not happen unless we listen to this woman, unless we listen to her voice, unless we trust her, which we can. This kind of wisdom is particularly necessary. It's needed by everyone, but it's particularly necessary for the kind of people that Solomon talks about here in verses 15 and 16, those who lead in government. Civil leaders need God's wisdom. Those who lead in the church and in the home need this kind of wisdom. All of us, both as those who live in the world and as those who sit under this kind of leadership of civil home and church need the ability to distinguish between good and evil so that we can discern it and recognize it and seek to live by it. We see this in the life of Solomon in 1 Kings 3 when he asked for wisdom. He went to the Lord and he said, this, give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this your great 
Yvonne, do you remember how you started that request? I'm just a little child. I'm just a little child. He showed humility. He knew he needed wisdom. We see that in 1 Peter 2 when it comes to civil government. What is the role of civil government? It's to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. How do they know it's good and evil? Unless they seek wisdom from God. And in the church, Romans 12 tells us that all of us are to abhor what is evil and to hold fast to what is good. And that the church is responsible, if there is evil amongst it, to, as 1 Corinthians 5 tells us, to purge the evil person from from among you. It's a weighty task. That requires, all of that requires much wisdom. And the good news is that Lady Wisdom offers that. Verse 12, she gives us prudence and knowledge and discretion. Verse 14, she offers counsel and sound wisdom and insight and strength. Why? Because discerning good and evil is not an easy task. It's a constant task. It can be wearying. It can be discouraging when we see people around us not distinguish it according to God's wisdom. And so he offers us the strength that we need to keep going. This makes us realize, right, that being wise, and maybe you've not thought about it until now, that being wise requires hard work. It takes work to listen to this voice. It's available, but we need to listen not easy but as we'll see next it is worth it that's the fourth thing we see why should we listen to her she will reward us verses 17 to 21 if you look down with me i love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me riches and honor are with me enduring wealth and righteousness that's what happened to solomon he sought wisdom god gave him wisdom and then what happened as well? First Kings 3, God said to him, because you've asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies. Do you notice that? Solomon didn't first go to the Lord and ask for riches and honor. He asked for wisdom. But when God gave him that and recognized his humility, he then gave him riches and honor. Verse 13, I give you also what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that no archim of Solomon's life as an example and Proverbs tells us that those who seek wisdom will be rewarded. It's worth it. It's worth it. And the first thing we receive there, verse 17. We listen to her. She will love us. She will love us. The Dalish woman promised us love, do you remember? She promised us our fill of love. Her love was only momentary. And it ultimately led to death. This love here is forever. And it leads to life. But we have to love her too. Verse 17. I love those who love me. We have to love wisdom. We have to love her back. And along with love, she also offers us honor and prosperity. Again, we compare that to what the adulterous woman offered us. She didn't offer us honor. She offered us dishonor and disgrace. She didn't offer us prosperity. One of the consequences of listening to her was that we would lose all the goods of our house, that we'd have to pay a, a huge penalty. She robbed us. Wisdom rewards us. 
generally speaking, hey, we have to remember how we read Proverbs. Hey, we need to read Proverbs as, as not absolute principles, but generally, generally speaking, being wise brings us honor and prosperity. Doesn't mean there's no exceptions to that. Doesn't mean there's no poverty or that we don't encounter difficult things. Generally speaking, being wise brings honor and prosperity. If we live wisely, we will use our money wisely. We'll work hard, we'll save well, we'll give generously, we'll spend wisely, we'll invest wisely, which means we'll more likely to be prosperous than in poverty. We will have an enduring wealth, not just a temporary flash in the pan kind of wealth. She will love us, she will honor us, she will prosper us. And verse 20 tells us she will reward us with righteousness. If we seek her, we will walk with her in the paths of righteousness and of justice. She will reward us with righteousness. Don't you long for that? To live a righteous life, a pure life, a holy life, a godly life, a life of justice and of fairness and of equity. To live that kind of life is a joyful life. To increasingly put off sin and put on righteousness. To please God. To love others well. That's the kind of reward she offers us when we listen to her and love her. And what's in view here with these rewards is it includes the here and now. So we will experience these things in some measure now, but it also points forward. The inheritance she talks about is both now but also heavenly. The treasure that she offers us is both now but also heavenly. She offers us a future. She offers us certainty. Hopefully you're beginning to want to listen to her. If you're still not persuaded, okay, if you're not persuaded by now she's worth listening to and loving, consider what we see next. The fifth thing why should I listen to her? Because she existed before me. Let me read verses 22 to 31. Uh, Lorraine, uh, stop at verse 21. We'll, we'll read 22 to 31 together. This is a woman wisdom speaking. She says that the, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned it to the sea its limits, so that the Lord might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Here's why we should sit up and take notice of this woman. Here's why we need to sit up and take notice of her. She was there from the beginning. You see that multiple times in these verses, before, 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 on repeat. She was there from the beginning. She existed before anything else did. She came first, which means she ranks above the rest of the created world. It means she's foundational to this world, to our lives. What it means is that since God started with wisdom in creation, 
so too we must start with her. She should be our first port of call. She should be our foundation. We must go to her. She's existed before us. And then the second thing we see here in these verses, again with the repeated word, when, verse 27, when, verse 28 as well, when, verse 29, when. She was there when the world was created. She was there. She saw it being made. She knows why it was designed. She saw where the, the boundaries were drawn, where the, where the markers were made. She knows where the limits are. She knows where the heights are. She knows where the, the depths are. She knows how it was supposed to be. She knows how God created us to be. She was there. She knows how the world's supposed to work. Bottom line is, nobody is in a better position or in a better place to tell us or to speak into our life with regards to how we are to live and how this world is to work. Because she was there. She was there when it was made. She saw how it was created. She was also instrumental in everything being made. Verse 30 there tells us she was uh, like a master workman. Proverbs 3 reminds us as well that the Lord by wisdom founded the earth, by understanding he established the heavens. Wisdom is the key ingredient in creation here. That's what it's saying. Without wisdom, everything falls apart. There's disorder, there's, there's chaos. Everything falls apart and it'll, everything will taste bad. ESV study Bible, one of its footnotes, says this of wisdom. God has built the principles of wisdom into the structure of the world itself. Wisdom is the ordering principle by which everything functions and does not devolve into chaos. Thus, when we don't live by wisdom, we break the very rules that hold everything together. We cannot do this and thrive. Wisdom is ingrained, it is the key ingredient, it is infused into every area of our created world and of our lives. If we ignore it and disobey it and don't listen to it, we will not thrive. We will not live. We will experience disorder instead of order. We will experience chaos, chaos instead of tranquility. So we shouldn't listen to the, the shifting desires of our hearts and the shifting opinions of our, of our culture and of our, of our world. We, why, why would we when we've got the foundational wisdom of God who was there in the beginning, who knows how it's supposed to be? When we stand at those crossroads in life, we have access to wisdom who was there when everything was created. That's who we need to listen to. And look at verses 30 and 31. She wasn't just there. Look at her reaction. Verse 30 and 31. I was beside him and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabitable world, and delighting in the children of mankind. Do you know what her response was when she saw those boundaries being drawn, when she saw us being created, when she saw how God made the world to be? She rejoiced in that. She delighted. She wasn't just standing there with her arms folded thinking, oh, that's a good job, good job. She rejoiced in it. She delighted in it. That's how good God has ordered and created this world according to wisdom. That means that when she saw humans 
living in God's world according to his words in relationship with him before everything went wrong. She saw that and she rejoiced in it. And that can be our experience when we live according to his wisdom in the world now. Yes, we live on the far side of the fall, but living by God's wisdom now means we can experience that rejoicing and that delight in significant measure. It won't always be easy. And one day in the new creation where we experience that in all its fullness. So why would we not listen to her? Why would we not learn from her? Why would we not love her? And here's the, the, the even better news of God's word of the Bible. We have something even better than her. We have something even better than wisdom. Woman wisdom here is a shadow that points forward to ultimately the person and wisdom of Jesus. Matthew 12 tells us that, that in Jesus something better than Solomon is here. Something better than his wisdom is here. John 1 reminds us that Jesus wasn't just there at the beginning of the world. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Wisdom was just a witness. All things were made through Jesus, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. The rulers and kings of this world don't just live by his wisdom. He made them. He created them. He rules over them. All things were created through him and for him. In Jesus, we see this wisdom perfectly lived out, perfectly embodied. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So if we want to navigate our lives at the crossroads, we look to Solomon's wisdom, yes. But it's not enough. We also have to look to Jesus, to his life and his teachings, and ultimately to his death on the cross. Because at the crossroads in life, we don't just need a sage, someone who's wise. We also need a savior. Someone who has lived these things out perfectly for us. We need Jesus because there are many crossroads where we have made the wrong choice where we have gone down the wrong path, where we have not listened to wisdom, but listened to folly. There may be some choices like that in the future. So we need not just wisdom at the crossroads, we need Jesus. Jesus, who took our sin and our folly upon himself, who took upon himself the, the just judgment for that sin and folly, took it to the cross, nailed it to the cross, and in him we can be forgiven. That's the good news of the gospel. He is the one through whom the world was created, yes, but he's also the one through whom the whole world can be reconciled. That's what Colossians goes on to say. In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The creator came into his creation and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is why listening to wisdom, looking to Jesus, is not a small thing. It's not a take or leave it kind of matter. It's a matter of life and death. That's the last thing we see here in these verses. Why should I listen to the voice of wisdom? She's a matter of life, of life and death for me. Verses 32 to 36, if you look down. And now, sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. 
hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, watching beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. That's a choice. Verse 33 tells us there's two things we need to do here in response. We're to listen to her and we're to keep her ways. Why are we to listen? We are to listen watchfully and we are to wait on her. We're to listen patiently. And when are we to listen to her? We look down to verse 34. We watch daily. Okay? Welcome to the daily battle of listening and choosing between the voice of folly and the voice of wisdom. We must listen watchfully, we must listen daily, we must listen patiently, we must daily choose to live by the wisdom of Jesus and of God's word or the, the way of God. And as we listen, we keep, we follow that wisdom, we don't just listen to it, we get on with obeying it, we respond to it in obedience. If we do, verse 35 tells us, we find life and favour. If we don't do that, we injure ourselves. We destroy ourselves. We hate life and we love death. So why would we not why would we not listen to wisdom? Why would we not look to Jesus? So as we face the various crossroads in life, whether big ones or everyday ones, as we make decisions, as we face temptation, which voice are we going to listen to? Two voices. The voice of the adulterous woman, the, the voice of folly, or the voice of wisdom. Which one are we going to listen to? Proverbs 8 compels us to listen to the beautiful, the righteous, the holy, and life-giving voice of one wisdom. And ultimately, Proverbs 8 pushes us forward to listen and look to Jesus. So let's turn from our foolishness and our sin, let's trust in Jesus. And in him, we can experience eternal life and favor forever from the Lord. Let me pray for us. Father, we pray that you would help us on a daily basis by your spirit to listen to the voice of wisdom. Father, we thank you that you give us wisdom and that you give us Jesus. Help our hearts to listen to him. Help us to watch and wait and listen and learn on a daily basis, Father. Please kill inside of us sinful desires and distractions that would cause us to want to listen to the way of all of them. Guard our hearts, Father, and help us to rejoice in your way.